This is episode 40 of the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. Today, I'm talking with Angelica Witherspoon Casanova. She is the author of The Clip Clop Chronicles. Angelica is a Florida native who enjoys writing and riding. She holds a BS from Florida A&M University, a screenwriting graduate certificate from UCLA, and an MFA from the New York Film Academy. She currently splits her time between Florida and California, where she works in entertainment and volunteers with an equine therapy program for veterans. Now, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi everyone, welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Show. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm so excited to be talking with Angelica Witherspoon Casanova. Hi, Angelica. Hey, Carly. Hi, everybody. Thank you for having me on the show. Of course. So excited to support fellow horse book authors. And I can't mm-hmm. wait to learn more about you and your books. But I always like to start these conversations off with asking how your love affair with horses began. So my love affair with horses started when I was riding home from church with my aunt and my cousins. And she happened to see one of her friends riding their horses along the street. Um, I'm from a rural community, so it's not out of the ordinary to see people trail riding but I'd never been up close and personal with the horse. And so we got out, we said hello. And she she was like, do you want to get on and take a little ride around the pasture? And I was like, uh, they're kind of big, I don't know. But as soon as I was in the saddle, it was just kind of like magic. And then from that moment on, it was like, I'm going to read about horses. I'm going to watch horse movies. I'm going to talk about horses all the time. And I think my parents were hoping that it was like a phase. So I didn't start riding, you know, actually taking lessons until I was like 13. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it wasn't a phase. And it was that moment that really got me started. And I still have that picture where I'm just like in a church dress, in a saddle on a little pony. So. Oh, that is so cool. I love that story. And I think all parents kind of hope it'll be a phase because <laughs> horses and riding lessons aren't cheap. And then, yeah. and then from there, so you start riding at 13. That's a great age to start riding. And mm-hmm. then that's when you start taking lessons. And then so how did it progress? Do you have a, a fur baby in your life that, that you have now? Well, currently I have um, some fur babies that I'm allowed to ride. Let's just say that they're my friends. And uh, uh, it's two. One is Rook Zook. He's a Westphalian gelding. He's got like, he's a dressage, semi, uh, semi-retired semi dressage horse. And he's got so many buttons and he really makes me work for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I get them right, it's so great. And then the other one is a Hanoverian gelding. Um, called Gusto, who is, he's got a lot of energy and a lot of sass, and he's really fun to ride as well, but he's also a sweetheart. So, you know, I'm blessed to be able to ride these two amazing horses currently. Oh, that is so cool. And then, so I imagine your discipline of choice is English, or do you do a little bit of, of everything? You know, I do, if somebody's like, get on this Western horse, I'm not going to say no, um, <laughs> but I generally ride English and eventing and um, well, well, lower level eventing. I, I can't, uh, about about novice levels where I, I stopped. It gets too high for me after that. But um, yeah, I do primarily English disciplines, but also 
Um, I used to ride a uh, a pole bending horse oh, cool. and a rainer, and I was like, this is really neat. So maybe in the future, I'll get me a raining horse. Oh, that would be yeah. super fun. I would that I would like that too. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, they're they're neat little horses. Yeah, well, and that's the cool thing about horses. It's like you can try on a little bit of everything, and the d- discipline you start at may not be where where you end eventually. Exactly. And this is like, this is so cool. I think this is a great way to kind of bridge into your books. Because you, you said you fell in love with horses. It wasn't a phase. You started taking your riding lessons. You read everything about them. You watched all the horse movies. That sounds very similar to, you know, my story. I, you know, that was exactly the same way a lot of us are. And then mm-hmm. now you're an author of horse books. Can you tell us yeah. a little bit about the Clip Clop Chronicles? You you have two books now in the series. Clip Clop follows a young chocolate writer she likes to call herself. Her name is Roz. And uh, she's just navigating her life in this equestrian world. Uh, she has a really big family and none of them are into horses. Everybody um, competes in track and field and she's kind of like the oddball out. Mm-hmm. So she's navigating her family and her passion for horses as well as, you know, adolescence and She's got a, a nemesis already at the age of 12 that is, you know, makes it hard to be a good person, but she tries her best. And throughout those things, we see her compete and we see her, you know, make good choices, make bad choices and just, you know, life of a horse girl. Her family actually doesn't believe that horse, while they don't believe horses is a sport, they also don't believe in something that Black people do. Hmm. So Rod has to kind of like, be like, well, maybe they don't do it that much, but I'm one that does it, so. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna change that so oh I love that that's so cool and and this story is uh you know I, I hear your your main character is 12 years old and where where did this story come from did it like pop into your mind at one point and you're like I have to write this book or did like what what led you down the path to putting together two two books that are very successful which we're going to talk about here in a second but where did the story come from it actually happened when I was uh, speaking with um, one of my old mentors uh, within the entertainment community, and she's also an author and a director. And she one day said that, you know, another way to get break in the door is to write a book and have a following. And then, you know, you can you know leverage that to your entertainment, whatever else you want to do. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was like, you know, I've never thought about writing a book that seems like a lot of work. <laughs> it's uh, much longer than a script. And, uh, you know, I, I was always like, I'm a reader. I don't know that I'm an author. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she, she was like, but you could buy your first house with it. And then he's like, yeah, or I could buy a bunch of horses. And so then she goes, well, you ride horses? And I was like, yeah, I ride horses. And then she's like, oh, I would have never known that you should write about all of your adventures and um, make it about a, a group of little black girls that ride horses. And I told her, I don't know what that feels like, because growing up, I was the only, you know, chocolate child riding horses. Mm-hmm. And she was like, that's your story right there. That's mm-hmm. that's what you need to, you know, get out there. So. And I love that. You had a great mentor who kind of guided you towards writing a book. And, and even though it, it sounded like a big project, you took it on and you like totally created a world which is which is really cool and I know you touched on your background in the entertainment business which we're going to get into in a little bit here but I want to stay with the book for a moment they say that all stories are partly personal and I'm hearing I'm hearing that there is a personal connection in this book for you so what message do you hope your readers come away with after they've they've read your book well so yeah it is personal except 
Roz is way cooler and way braver than I ever was. So <laughs> we'll just go with that. Mostly what I would hope that they would take away from this story is that, you know, she's a cool little kid and she sticks up for people and she works hard. And I want people to take that away. But also, more importantly, that she tries her best, even when it's hard, to treat people with kindness and respect. Mm-hmm. That's like the bottom line. Because, you know, there are so many people today that are very would rather just bully people around or even if we have differences don't think that we can get along or be kind to each other and she does that even when it's hard Mm -hmm. so I would hope that people could take that away as like a broad message but also for like little chocolate girls like me that they're not alone or other little people of color or grown people of color that they are seen and representation matters and you know if, if, if whatever it is that you want to do, if you're like the first person doing it or the only one doing it that looks like you, then just keep doing it. It'll it'll be all right. You're not alone. And that's so awesome. And also, you know, to follow your passion, you know, like always follow your heart and follow your dream and follow your passion. And I, I, that is such a powerful message to be delivering uh, through your books. And this is really cool. And I was galloping around your website, um, doing some research <laughs> for the the interview questions, you got an incredible review from Kirkus Reviews on, on the first book in the in the series. They called it a standout story with a strong heroine and an authentic voice. How did that kind of feedback make you feel on your very first book? That's like incredible. Yeah, it was de- it was a surprise, honestly, because um, I'd have I'd had people read it before, but you know, they all know me. So I can't really, you know, if they say if your friends say they like it, it's like, OK. Maybe they like it, maybe they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and if a family member says they like it, of course, you know, they, have they love you anyway. <laughs> right. It's like <laughs> obligatory. But um, when I got that review, it was just kind of like, okay, this wasn't all a waste of time. And maybe I can tell a story and have something that people want to read. There was a little validation there too, as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, okay, maybe you are an author or maybe you, know, you can write a story that was mostly mostly all of it like the validation of it some stranger saying these nice things about my story um really made me feel good and really kept me going mm-hmm. when it was hard and yeah, yeah. and th- that kind of feedback is is so awesome because we as the authors are we're so hard on ourselves right you know it's like every time you sit at the keyboard it's like who am I to write a story who am I to write this book and then to mm-hmm. you know to have it be validated that way is like oh okay you know I can keep going with this so like I'm so happy for you that's awesome feedback so is this going to be a series of more than two books what are what are you what are you planning for the clip clop chronicles which is such a cute name by the way I love how I love that name you got to tell us how you came up with that too <laughs> um well thank you uh I I feel like I okay so when I grew up I was reading um the saddle club and books like that and so I was like, I could be a Saddle Club writer. Writer, I could you know, do that. And then I started writing the, writing the first one. And, was, and right up until the end of the last chapter, or right up until I was writing the last chapter, I was, it was just going to be like a one-off thing. And then, you know, characters have a tendency to take their own, <laughs> do what they want on the, key, on the keys. It's like you're possessed to write. And, um, uh, totally. So. <laughs> I love that you just said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then at the end, the first one, it was kind of, it left it up in the air. And I was like, well, okay, I guess I'm going to do a series, maybe or maybe not. Uh-huh. And then some of the people that read it were like, oh, when are you going to do your first, I mean, your next one? And I was like, oh, 
I don't know, maybe later, we'll see. Um, two years later, I wrote it, and the same thing happened with this one. It's like a, ah, we'll leave it up in the air and see what happens. Like, the story is finished, but it can keep going. So, yeah, that's what I, I planned on to do for a series. Yeah, it, it'll be a series. Um, how long it keeps going on, we'll see what the characters say. Um, yeah. They're basically in control. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, uh, that is exactly my experience. That's how I feel when I'm writing my books too. You know, it's like I, I kind of follow the characters. I, I, they kind of, it flows out of me. Like I, sometimes I don't even know, like I'm not there. It's the characters telling me what to do. And, mm-hmm. and that's sort of how it went with my series too. It's like I finished the first one and then it was like, oh, they want more, they want more from me. And then there was the second one and then the third one. And now I'm working on the fourth one. So yeah. I just, you know, follow that muse because, I think the books keep coming until the characters feel like they're finished with you. You know what I mean? So I'm hearing there's a third one in the works back there, <laughs> at least in the, in the mind, right? Yeah, there's one in the mind. We'll, we'll see what it comes up. But yeah, there's definitely one in the mind. And, you know, I think this is really awesome, too, because, I, you know, you're writing a series, but you're, you're also writing them from a perspective for young Black women. So this is like, this is a really important series that you're working on, you know, for diversity in our sport, right? It's there, but a lot of people aren't talking about it. And you're like, you're doing that. It's like, it's so awesome that you're bringing that, that forward from your experiences and letting other people know, you know, this is a sport for everyone. You know, this is not, this is not, there's no limits when it comes to the healing power of horses, the power of riding a horse, the spiritual connection that you get, like these are animals for everyone, which is just so cool. And, And thank you for doing what you're doing. So that being said, I, you know, I also trolled your Facebook page and I saw that you do um, some like cool events. Like, so, so I know you do events, but like what, what have been some of your uh, ways of getting the word out in the community or reaching, reaching your readers about these books? Like, do you have any tricks up your sleeve you can share with other authors that are listening in on the podcast? I don't know that I would call them tricks because uh, <laughs> it's, it's work, but um, mm-hmm. it's always work. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like the, the regular stuff like social media and email, and book signings and going to schools. And thankfully, like I'm, I'm mostly an introvert. So I thankfully have a bunch of family and friends that are not, and they are willing to get on board to help me, you know, pub the book, get out. And really word of mouth is the best thing ever. Because at one one person reached out to me via email and said how much they love the book and I was like oh how you know how did you hear about it she was like from so and so and so and so it was like you know a seven degrees of separation type of thing you know it was mm-hmm. really neat mm-hmm. so you know with the help of some <laughs> type A personality friends and family that can go out and do all of the more of the reaching out then mm-hmm. I'm able to get out of my shell a little bit more and then go to the events read like read, story time in schools is really neat. I went to one in particular where they were reading the book the whole semester. And so they they asked the teacher, was like, you know, can she come and read to us? And they're like, I don't know. She lives in California. I don't know if she'll be able to make it. So basically it was like the last day of school and or close to the last day of school. And she had told them that I wasn't able to make it. From, she asked if I could come and that I couldn't make it from California. And then I bust in the door and like the kids are crying and it was great. And they're like, oh my gosh, we have a real author. And I was like, this is really fun. Like, you know, I like to surprise people. So it did work out in that respect. So things like that is what I do to help, you know, 
get the word out. But that was one just particular instance that was just kind of like, okay, this is really neat. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. And, it, and it's so funny because like we were talking about earlier, you know, you're, you're sitting behind your keyboard and you're following the characters and you're also like, who am I to write a book? But then when you meet your readers and particularly, you know, your, your readers are a little younger being so excited to meet the author mm-hmm. and like you created that for them. And it, that is such a cool experience. Thank you for sharing that. And I love that you said you're also an introvert and a lot of authors are, I am, and you have to like kind of generate that extroverted side of you. But, and I also love that you said word of mouth because I really think that that is true. It's like, that's why, you know, being good to your readers, like you have been in like taking care of your readers, they spread the word for you, including, you know, your overzealous, like members of the family that are out there you know chattering for you too like I appreciate my family that does that and my friends that do that but yeah it's a, it's a little harder when you're the author and you're a little more introverted and you like your little hole where you stay and you write your books and I'm talking more about myself here but you know you know, you stay you like to stay in your lane and write your books and then you know going out into the world sometimes can be scary but often you come back with these really cool experiences like what you just shared with us and yeah. I imagine you have some really neat like video or pictures from from that event I'm hoping yeah we do um I don't post them because they're children and I don't really like to put you know other people's children out on the on the interwebs but yeah Mm -hmm. we um we have lots of uh, recording and video and that's really responsible, not putting other people's children's out of, yeah. children out on the, <laughs> yeah. on the web. But I imagine that would make a great picture for your desk to 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 any you know look look at and once you you know help you continue your work and be like I did that. Yeah, every time I I, I look through it, I'm like, oh, that's okay. I'll I'll keep going. Yeah. Oh, I love that, and I hope you do keep going because this is this sounds like it's just so fun and a very important series. I also like to ask this question too when you were working through your story and you were, t- you know, you wrote it obviously. And I like to call them book babies. And you're, when you were about to give birth to your book baby, what, what route did you decide to go? Did you go the traditional publishing route or the independent publishing route? Did you, what, what were you thinking about when you did that? Well, initially it was the traditional route because that's all I knew. And then, you know, that's my mentor was like, you should send it out, do this and that. So for a long time I was sending it out and, uh, getting a whole bunch of either if they did respond at all it was um you know great writing but not what we're looking for which was partly good because it's like okay it's a good story and mm-hmm. I'm writing good or well you know I, I also want somebody to read it so mm-hmm. uh after a particularly rough year it was just kind of like you know what and I had already gotten the Kirkus review and I was like I'm just gonna go I'm gonna do it myself and see what happens mm-hmm. and and that's how independent route for this one. Not that I'm against traditional mm-hmm. routes, um, but for this series and at that point in my life, this was the best way to go. So, and you got yeah. to choose what your cover was going to look like, and yeah. you you know you do own a lot more control when you when you go that route. And obviously, it was the right choice because you're having mm-hmm. a lot of success, and the books are beautiful, and and um, you know, and and that's the way it goes with traditional publishing in a lot of the time, a lot of the time with horse books, they say it's too niche or, mm-hmm. you know, and most all authors get reje- a lot of rejection letters. Right. I mean, even the most bestselling authors in the world, like get those because they're, these are big distributors with like, you know, kind of tunnel vision and they're looking for particular things. And a lot of times they're not looking over here and here. That's why independent publishing is so awesome. You know, you have the power to get your story into the world and find your people yourself I you know you said you work in the entertainment industry which we're going to get to here in a second I used to work 
in the music industry. And I like to equate that the, um, the independent movement with authors is a lot like what it was, what it's like for indie musicians or indie filmmakers, because mm -hmm. like in my music business days, I worked for Sony and Universal as a uh, artist development representative and our A&R people would go out and they would look for bands that were, had a grassroots following that had established themselves that were indie groups with a following and then they would sign them on to these big deals and I think that that's kind of where we're heading with uh, independent publishing I mean, we were showing up a little bit later down the line but that's sort of what I think is going to start happening for us but you have an entertainment background would you agree that that's sort of like where we might be right now yeah absolutely because you know it, it goes the box office even will show people are tired of just watching the same thing over and over or reading the same type of thing over and over and they're open to all different types of stories and now there there's you know many outlets where they can go about that easily you, you know you don't have to go through and you know try and find a remote person with a book like you can go on amazon and click and mm -hmm. now you you're following all these independent artists and you're like oh look then i've got new books i can read that i would have never seen before because they're not on the shelves and Mm -hmm. So I, I agree with you. I think that it's, and I, I honestly hope that it is um, something that'll, you know, maybe they'll mesh more, the mm -hmm. traditional and uh, independent and um, just as a way to open the channels for the people that are, you know, doing the grassroots work on the ground. And and to be fair, if it's if it's like the entertainment industry, they prefer the people do the hard work. Mm -hmm before they get to them you know <laughs> they'd rather be like oh she's already got some people we'll go ahead and now we don't have to like go through and do as much work to find her or you know to get her out in the out in the interwebs because she's already out there yeah that's so um, that is that is so so right and so we've touched on this a few times let's talk about you know so again when i was looking at your website you <laughs> hold a screenwriting graduate certificate from ucla and an MFA from the New York Film Academy, and currently split your time between Florida and California where you work in entertainment. So can you tell us about your career path and how, you know, in the entertainment industry, like what you do and how it led to you taking on these books? Yeah, uh, so I've always wanted to make movies. That's like, that was probably passion before even horses came into the picture. Cool. And um, it wasn't until later that I went to grad school and uh, went in for producing um, because I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to produce or write or direct or at one point I wanted to be a cinematographer. It didn't matter. I just wanted to make movies and mm -hmm. wanted to be in the entertainment business. Uh, I realized cinematography was way too uh, technical for me. And so I had to put that, I had to shelve that one, but I would have never known that without going to grad school first. So mm -hmm. my grad school is, interesting in that you can do one year in New York and then you have to do the second year in LA and that's what moved me out to LA so once I made it out to LA um, you know it's kind of like I graduated it's kind of like the uh, the rat race and try and figure out what you're going to do next mm -hmm. so I ended up starting in um, reality TV actually which I never thought I would do but you know this you know things shift around and people meet people and so I got into reality TV, which was fun. Nice. And then I went into TV development. And all of these things I had never thought of because I was always like, film, 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 movies, movies, movies. And I was opened up to the world of TV and the world of reality TV and documentaries. And so 
currently I, I'm just doing a lot of independent work, independent writing, independent producing, even independent uh, directing. So that's where the, the path of my career is right now and will still be going. And then, like I said, I was able to meet uh, my mentor through all of these different channels and entertainment, which led me to the horse book, or, you know, to writing. So. That is so cool. And what has been the most valuable thing for you working with, with your mentor? A lot, you know, a lot of people work with coaches. A lot of people have mentors. I think it's so important to, to work with someone that can inspire you, offer advice. Like what has been the most, I mean, obviously you got a book out of working with your mentor, mm -hmm. but you know, what would you say to someone who doesn't have a mentor that the advantages of having a mentor or coach would be? You know, there are several things that are beneficial to having a mentor or a coach. Uh, one, they'll kick you in the behind when you need to stop looking around, you know, pulling around on the internet and do some work. And also, for me, it was like a challenge because she's like, you know, the first, when I first started writing the book, she said, just write three chapters, see what happens. And because I like when people give me a challenge, just like Roz, if they don't think I can do it, not that she didn't think I could do it, but she asked for three chapters. I gave her six because I was like, well, let's see if I can do it or not. Um, so having her there at that time helped me to continue writing. And and she gave me feedback on like, you should go this route or this route or you know, make sure you have this, this, and that. And, you think, and those are things I would have never thought of because reading a book and writing a book are two different things. You just figure it'll happen eventually. But she did in the beginning give me some pointers to stay on track. And so I feel like if you have somebody that could mentor you, allow them to. And or if not, I don't know about coaches. I've never had like that kind of coach. Mm -hmm. But anybody that's gonna be in your corner to help you push you out of your comfort zone, mm -hmm. I think is a great thing. And if you can find one that you trust and that trusts you and you know, is really in your corner to help you, then by all means, grab all that information, be a little sponge and <laughs> take what you can from them. Not that's, take, but, you know, absorb. Absorb, absorb what you yeah. Can, but, but, <laughs> that's, <not take. laughs> that's excellent advice, though, really. I mean, you know, it's like uh, so many people wouldn't be where they are if they didn't have someone like that in their corner pushing them forward. Because the own voice in your head can be your worst enemy and it can like stop you in so many different ways. And you've got this other person believing in you that's holding you accountable and pushing you forward and making you uncomfortable. I mean, that's part of it. Being comfortable with being uncomfortable <laughs> is yeah. a, like a like a big step for, for authors and a lot of people and mentors or coaches can help you do that. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. There's this one guy, um, he's a producer and he he told me once, he was like, you just need one yes. You, you're going to get a thousand billion billion no's, but you just need one yes. So as long as you keep on keeping on, then mm -hmm. that one yes will eventually come. And, you know, the same thing with the mentor. Maybe people will be like, I don't want to be your mentor. but I don't have time. Yeah, Right. I don't have time on this. And, yeah. But just keep on keeping on. You just need one yes to get it going. So. That, that's awesome. I love that you just said that. You know, it's like a, I happen to be a fan of The Voice and my husband and I were watching it last <laughs> night. And. Nick Jonas, actually, of the Jonas Brothers fame, said the exact same thing on the show last night. He said, mm -hmm. you know, I had a million no's before I got to this point, and it, all it took was one yes. And he was saying this to, you know, one of his musical choices that he was having on his team. But, you know, that is the truth. You, we can get stopped by all the no's, or we can keep going in pursuit of that yes. And 
and it is out there. You just got to keep going. So that's awesome advice. Are you planning on writing the screenplay for your books? You know, and because I heard you said you were dabbling in screenplays and doing stuff independently on the side and producing, which is all awesome. But what do you think? Do you think there's a screenplay for the books in the works? There's already a screenplay for the books. Well, the first one anyways. Awesome. so it's being shopped around. We'll see what happens, but there is a screenplay. Now, one of my former bosses uh, was like, maybe you should do it as a series. So mm-hmm. I'm currently trying to write it also as like a series. Um, maybe just do the pilot. Uh, but yeah, for the first book, it's it's written. Uh, we'll see what happens with it. So, that yeah. is exciting. Oh my gosh, I wish you so much success there. And And then was it? I mean, you have the training, you have training as a screenwriter. How, what was it like taking, you know, I'm imagining your books are probably around 50 to 80,000 words. What was it like taking those down to a, taking <laughs> those down to a screenplay? Was that tough or did you enjoy the process? Uh, it's, it's tough. Like I've had to do that for books that aren't my own, mm-hmm. um, you know, make treatments out of them or outlines or whatever. But for mine, it's like, no, that's important. And that's important. That's important. But I'm like, nobody's going to read a, or watch a, a movie that's, you know, three hours long. And they're definitely not going to read it if it's more than 120 pages or 100 pages even. Uh-huh. So um, it it was fun, but it's also like, uh, it's kind of hard to clip away the things, especially since I'm attached to it. Like in other books, no problem. I'll clip that out. It's not essential to the story, but. Yeah, that I think that's probably the hardest thing. And even even re- with revisions, because um, I still revise it, and I'll be like, oh, I could put this here, take that out there. Mm-hmm. So that's the hardest part uh, with taking your own book and making it into a screenplay. Uh, yeah, cutting out <laughs> what you have to, you know, doing the cutting and the clipping, the surgery of it all. And then it goes from what, like, you know, the 50 to 80,000 words to like, what, like 300 words or 90 something? pages. I don't even know what the word count is, but we go by pages. So wow. 90 pages, 90, 90. 92 pages. So. That is incredible. And then so you say it's being shopped around. Is this like, are you going like, um, like how are you doing? Are you doing like a Kickstarter campaign? Are you, are you, do you want to be involved in the producing? Or are you ready to hand it off? Like what does that all look like like how did you get that going I am not yet ready to hand it off mm-hmm. unless somebody were to give me a significant option on it okay. for a significant point price price point then maybe I would but mm-hmm. no I would definitely especially if it's a series I would want to be a part of it and be in the writer's room kind of shape and mold what we're, we're seeing on on the on tv or film or whatever right now it's, it's kind of like the same thing with traditional versus independent um going the traditional route and uh reaching out to other producers that i know putting it up on boards to see if there are any bites and that kind of thing i do have some uh producer friends that would maybe like to come along but they are you know they're busy right now so it's you know it's fine but it's it's probably an uphill battle, a long uphill battle, but or maybe it's not. It could be sold tomorrow. Who knows? Uh, I'm very open to that possibility. Uh, That's so cool. You're waiting so, for your yes. <laughs> yeah, I am waiting for my yes. I yes. And, and I want you in the writer's room because please make make everything accurate. I think that is like the <laughs> biggest struggle I have as an equestrian is the, the things that are being made is like, oh my goodness, you know. Yeah. Like, 
get the facts right, guys, please, or have an equestrian in the room or something and keep using the same horse, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. we can tell that it's different. (laughs) So this is. That horse has a blaze and that horse has a star that's different. Exactly. (laughs) We're like, you know, they've got a, you know, English saddle on and they're wearing, you know, cowboy boots and a cowboy hat, you know, just just wrong, all wrong. Right. Right. Which is fine because one of my old, uh, my old trainer was like basically a cowboy, but she was an all around horse person. So she would get up there in a cowboy boots and, you know, in a, yeah. a helmet. Actually, she would take off her cowboy hat and put on a helmet mm-hmm. uh, and jump the horse or whatever. But that's different. That's it not is. like, yeah. <laughs> it's not in like every scene this is like a right. trainer like a powerful trainer getting up in her cowboy boots to you know jump the horse and make it do the right thing and she was wise she put on her helmet but yeah you know like I totally get what you're saying like just the <laughs> authenticity of things so we definitely want you in the room <laughs> which is awesome and then you know you're saying you know you're kind of doing the uphill battle you know it, you know it's the entertainment industry it's like nothing is easy in the entertainment industry but is it is it true that it's a lot of like who you know and the right timing around projects like this, just, you know, connecting at the right moment to get that yes in, in, in LA. I'm, I'm assuming it's, it's a lot like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. The, the short of it is yes. It, it is who you know, and, and it is uh, timing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it is also the persistence of it. If you just keep at it long enough, eventually people will be, they'll get on your side, they'll get on board with you. And, or somebody will be like, I've been looking for this for forever. Oh. Now we finally you know, get it. So, yeah, uh, you know, and faith on my part to just keep, keep it going. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is a lot of who you know, and if who you know is willing to give you a chance or open a door or introduce you to somebody that could introduce you to somebody that could introduce somebody that will say yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, actually, that's a lot of the way life is in general, you know, it's right. always, always kind of connections. And I know what's going to happen for you. I'm so excited. And well, you know, so I'm curious about this, like, I, I'm curious about potentially, you know, doing a screenplay for, for my books. And I know a lot of other authors are that are probably listening to this podcast. What advice would you give given your background? I mean, you are educated in this, like, you know, for, for someone that doesn't know anything about how the industry works or how screenplay works or anything, what, what advice would you recommend to an author that aspires to see their book become a screenplay and then, you know, either, either TV or film, what, what advice would you give them? I guess the first would be if you want to write, like if you want to write or if you just want to sell your book, that's mm. two different things. If you want to have more control over it, I would say learn how to write a screenplay. And it's not that hard. You don't have to go to school or anything like that. I mean, read some books. Or actually, the best way to write a screenplay is read screenplays. And you can get them online. They're free. Mm. There are a lot of sites that will give you uh, screenplays for free. And, you know, during the uh, – during the um, award season like we just passed award season for uh, the entertainment industry so there are plenty of people that are like the 2019 screenplays that are best pictures are out there or the 2020 or 2018 any of those things just google it google has everything obviously <laughs> but um i would say read some read some screenplays if you really want to write one yourself otherwise i would try and put together a treatment or an outline and then it's it's rough if you're not 
I'm trying to think of the best thing to say because there so, are a million different avenues. Than yeah. Can... So what, well, what I'm hearing is educate yourself, right? You know, it's like, obviously right. step one is, you know, understand how a screenplay is written, but then, you know, there's treatments and there's log lines and there's a lot of other things that go into pitching for, for screen. So right. like, do you have any like um, books that you would recommend that were really powerful for you while you were educating yourself that you would be a good place for people to start? Or is it a lot of different piecemeal kind of things? You know, I got the vast majority of it from my professors mm -hmm. that didn't really believe in books. Ah. They were people who were in the industry and they were like, listen, I'm just going to tell you how it is. Books will tell you, you know, a lot of people will use Save the Cat as a book to read for story, like to write your screenplay or story by McKee. That's just one component, like, mm -hmm. and that's just one person's opinion of how it should go. You know, like, like Coursera has a lot of free courses that uh, talk about filmmaking, and there, there's a lot of online stuff that's possible. So, so what I'm hearing is talk to people, right? Like, talk to people like you who are involved in the industry, who know how it really works. Educate yourself, do some reading, but, you know, kind of get yourself educated before you, you step up into the into that route but there, it's a it's a lot of it's a lot like independently publishing your book you have to do a lot of educating yourself step by step in order to figure it out so I'm hearing that's sort of like the best advice is get educated talk to people right <laughs> yeah uh, yes. educate yourself and you know read and mm -hmm. yeah. or at the very at you know if you feel like you're handy with the camera go get a camera and do a little a little teaser or you know you can this is the digital age you can you know make a movie with your phone your so, iPhone. Yeah. yeah anything is possible so shoot for the moon right the yes right. is around the corner and until you get that yes there's a lot of things that you can be doing to get to that point and most importantly write your book so then you have something to take to script right, right. <laughs> so it's always right. sitting down behind the computer getting the book done first <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing that. I, I mean, it's like a pretty heavy, big topic to try and condense into like a five minute question, you know, so it's like, I totally get that. I mean, perhaps we can have you back on the show again and we can talk specifically about screenwriting because I think that's something a lot of people are interested in. And obviously you have that background and you're doing it right now with your book. So we could get maybe a little more granular. That would be kind of fun. Would you be up yeah. for that? I would be up for that. All right. Well, there, there we go. Let's plan on that. I also want to ask you about this because I think this is super cool and it, it probably also adds in getting inspired for the next book in your series. You volunteer with the equine therapy program for veterans. Can you tell us about the program and the volunteer work that you do and how you got into it? It's a very interesting program and the program is not just for vet. It started out as a program for children and adults with intellectual and physical disabilities. Mm -hmm. And then the owner also decided that uh, they could reach out to people, the veterans, as well as people with sobriety. So there, there are several different programs within this program that are going to. I got into it uh, because I happen to be, have a lot of time on my hands, let's just say that at a certain time. And if I was going to, I grown I've grown up volunteering. That's like a part of my culture rather to be, you know, a help to the community and a blessing to others. And so if I was going to volunteer, I found horses. I was like, of course yeah. I will go volunteer with horses. <laughs> um, and I didn't I honestly thought I would just do the regular therapy part, but then when I saw the veterans, it was it's, it's just like 
you know, my way to give back to them for everything that they've done for me in this country and our freedoms. Um, it's so the program, you know, horses are, and you said it yourself, horses are spiritual and healing, all of that. And basically as volunteers, we just help them. They, they learn, most of them are able-bodied so they can, you know, get their own horse, groom their horse, tack and, tack and them, get on and ride. And we're really just there to help them. The horses do all the work, really, you know, to hear a little neigh that makes them feel, you know, a little something inside. Or when they go to groom them, they bond with these horses. And when they get up on top of them, especially the ones that have physical disabilities also, as well as PTSD, you know, you can just see on their faces. It's like, oh, wow, this is great. I'm walking again or I'm, you know, trotting or I'm doing something that's physical. And just to be able to see that is really really neat and um so i i guess i'm blessed to be able to have the opportunity to give back through horses and uh. well and thank you for your contribution that is that is so cool i mean not only do you get to be on horses but you're helping people and particularly veterans who have been a service to our country and and protect us all right so and and i and i think you you explain it so cool, like just the bonding with the horse and then getting up on the horse and having that experience and seeing the smile. I mean, that I think when I'm with my horses is like the only time I'm able to be a hundred percent present. And I'm sure that's the experience that they're having. They're not thinking about all the other terrible things that have gone on or happened mm -hmm. to them or they're currently dealing with. They're just in the moment with the horse and it's like such a powerful feeling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we, we definitely make sure to let them know that you know, you have to be in the moment with the horse because even though they're well-trained, a piece of lint could fly across and next thing you know, you're on the ground. <laughs> um, so you have, to, you have never, to pay attention. Yeah, right. you don't have That's a choice. Right. You can get right. in the head, they can spook at a plastic bag, they could go exactly. want to decide to like do their herd stuff and fight with each other and you're in the middle. You right. know, yeah, you have to be aware, not, not just present, but completely aware. That's a great point. <laughs> And they, they definitely realize that because, you know, even though the horses that they ride, none of them are like 17 hand jumpers or anything like that. Most of them are, you know, mid range, 15, but they're huge to them because, you know, if you're not up on a horse, you don't really get the vastness of how big they are, even the small ones. And mm -hmm. so, you know, that's really kind of like, you know, we've driven Humvees over whatever, but this is a giant horse that could eat me. And then the you know, but then when they learn that they can have a partnership with this giant horse that could, won't eat them, but maybe bite them. Hurt, hurt them. Well, hurt, hurt them. them. They have yeah. a mind of their own. It's not like a piece of machinery. It's like right. a being. <laughs> right. And, and that's what they come out with. They're like, this is a being that I'm making a connection with that mm. could hurt me, but it's not because we're trusting each other. And so mm -hmm. you're right. In that time, they can, you know, put away their all the horrificness that they've seen and just kind of focus on these horses and oh. you know, get some healing. Oh, that's got to be so powerful for you too. Like just so moving to be a part of that and, and see it happening in front of you. Thank you. Thank you for, for doing that for people. I'm moved. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I always like to ask uh, these, these questions uh, too in the interview because everybody's perspective is a little different for you. What has been the hardest part about, writing your books, but then on, on the flip side, what has been the very best, best part? I mean, obviously the readers and the reaction from the school children when you surprised them and went in there and, and read to them, but you know, what is kind of your experience, the hardest and the best part? The hardest is editing mm. and writing in general, but editing. 
um, once it's once it's done or even halfway. I the reason why this second book took so long is because halfway through I decided I didn't like it, and so I scrapped it. And then I, you know, worked on some scripts for a while and was very uh, a little disheartened with it. And then got back into it eventually. You know, mm-hmm. it's ups and downs. Everything's a roller coaster, right? Mm-hmm. So I finally got over it, and so the editing process is hard for me because then I'm like, if I go through it, and I'm like, oh, I don't like that. Then I got to start over, or it's like, or you can think about it and fix it. And usually the characters tell me, anyways, what they want to do. So <laughs> that's that. I think that's the hardest part for me. And some people say like the solitude, but solitude doesn't bother me. Uh, not like when it. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not when I'm working. It's like yeah. I can put on some music. It's great. It's fine. And the best part about writing, and not to be cliche, but the readers, honestly, mm-hmm. because I can sit, I can, you know, write a bunch of stuff. There's a bunch of screenplays I have that will never see the light of day because I don't like them. Mm-hmm. But with this one, it was kind of like a, okay, take a leap of faith, step out and see what happens. And people enjoyed it. Not everybody's going to enjoy it. And that's fine. But like when you, when a reader is, says, oh, I really love this book, or I connected this book, or um, one of my friends read it, and she's not a horse person at all. She's not even an outdoors person. And one day she um, texted me out of the blue and said, you know what, I was thinking this thing happened in my life, and I thought about what happened with Roz and the book, and I, you know, I got over that, and I did Aww. something, you know, to help that. And I was like, that, you know, those kind of things you don't expect, and so they be come the, the neatest things you know oh. the best part about writing so. yeah it's so oh that's such a cool moment and so touching and I, I love that a non-horse person reached out to you when your friends that had read the book and said I can relate to this so mm-hmm. horse books aren't just for horse lovers there's messages in there just horses happen to be in the books right, right. You know, like, right. anybody who likes a good read will like a horse book and and that's great and I totally agree with you like he- hearing from readers and hearing things that surprise you about the writing that you've written and the feedback that you get is, is just a really cool feeling. And yes, editing is difficult. I wanted to go back to that. So when you decided you didn't like the second book, you said you scrapped it. But then I heard you came back to it and it worked itself out. So you didn't actually scrap what you had written and started over again, did you? Or- uh, it's I kept some of it, mm-hmm. but a vast majority of it, I was like, delete. I don't even want to look at it anymore. So you've reworked um, parts that weren't working for you. Right. Which is normal. That ha- that happens a lot too. And and in the editing process, an editor will say to you, "I don't think this part works," or "I have a question," and then you end up reworking things and moving things around anyway. Or you know, I had a, my editor on my um, my second book. She said, "I hate this whole chapter." <laughs> okay, I mean, she offered really constructive feedback about why, but she was like, "This just didn't know." So I ended up taking the whole chapter out of the book and the book is better because of it. So it's like, those are the things as an author behind the scenes that you have to do to make something enjoyable for your readers. So, and it's, it's hard to do that because you get attached to your words and you know, that's like sometimes a whole day's work deleting Mm -hmm. a whole chapter. (laughs) And then, so what are you curious about now? Like what's, what's next for Angelica? Where are you heading? What are you thinking? Well, I've actually just been recently hired to, uh, work on a podcast 
Ooh. which I've not, not me personally, but not doing what you do, like not that, but behind the scenes, the writing uh-huh. part of it, it's a nonfiction one. And oh, cool. I find it very interesting. Um, and it's again, another avenue of storytelling that I never even thought of. So that's, that's on the docket. Uh, I've also kind of been tasked to uh, direct a feature that, and I've been, I've already been doing, directing some shorts and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So, and I find that fun. Third Just, book. <laughs> Third <laughs> book, yes. Yes, <laughs> book three, book four, book five. Well, that's Down the road. You've got so much like creative awesomeness going on in your world. And that's so exciting. And I imagine being a director is probably really cool because I mean, not, but you are also responsible for everything, you know, like yeah. you getting the actors on cue and like sticking to the script and you know you have your team but you're kind of making sure the team gets your vision so so that's yeah. like a super leadership role to be in the director's seat yeah yeah directing even in the tiny things it's it's like almost like something else comes over me mm-hmm. and I become like calm person mm-hmm. like calm I'm going to trust you to do your thing. I'm not, I don't like to overdirect people or mm-hmm. um, I don't like to take a million takes. I don't, I like to try and stay on schedule because while I'm working with very low budgets now or none at all, mm-hmm. eventually I hope to do some that are big budgets and you know, you've got to be able to stay on task, but it really is like something comes over me where it's just kind of like, okay, you got this, just calm down and slow it down. And, then I'm able to get the work done. So I don't know. I like it. It's it's a different way of storytelling. And all yeah. of this is really just about storytelling. If yeah. it's editing or if it's writing a book or directing a little short movie or video, mm-hmm. it's all storytelling, which is what I believe I've been put on this earth to do. Oh, yeah. I love that. That is so beautiful. And what, what I love is like, these are all the little things that you're doing right now that are like training you for for the next big thing that you take on like for example like you know all the little things that you're doing right now are training you for sitting in the writer's room when your books become a series or a movie right like and and I just I can see it now it's like you can you can be the horse book film director extraordinaire and then we all have like a source to go to that's that you know you could be like Mm -hmm. You could be like the person that gets the value of horse books and brings all this to life and we can all team up together and build a team around you. And that would be, that would be really cool. Like have like a place to go, like a film house, yeah. the director that knows horses where we can all go and actually get good horse movies made from good horse books, right? Where the people right. know what they're talking about, because there is a I don't think it's too niche. I think there's a million horse lovers out there and you don't have to like horses to enjoy these stories either. They're for everybody. Right. But yeah, I, like I see something big here, a big possibility. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you saying that. I love uh, visionaries. I can see things. When I, and awesome. you're right about um, horses not being niche. Like my mother is not a horse person. I mean, she's shelled out several dollars over the course of my life to make me a horse person, but mm-hmm. I, she's not a horse person. But one of her favorite movies is The Horse Whisperer. And, you know, that's, it's a horse movie, but it's also, it's, it's the love story at the, at the base of it. Mm-hmm. And, and most horse stories aren't just like about grooming and tacking. They're not horse stories. They're just 
stories with horses in them. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's been a long time since we've had a feature film with horses in them. I think the horse whisper was actually one of, one of the last that were like major, major films with horses in them that weren't like um, a cartoon or something. I think uh, Secretariat might have been one of the last. Oh, yeah. Well, but that to me is like a horse, horse film. More yeah, that's so a biopic. Yeah, more so than like um, The Horse Whisperer yeah. because that was like a romance that actually had horses in it. It was actually that's true. kind of a tricky romance situation. But yeah, yeah it was like more, more like mainstream where the, the horses were important, but that not the main driver of the the yeah. film. Anyway, this you know we're going down a rabbit hole here, but like that <laughs> that was that was so cool, and I really would like to follow up with you again and have maybe just one whole episode about the process of of screenwriting and you know what what it's like to to kind of build a package around a book for going to screen. And I think that you would be an awesome person to kind of help educate us about that and then you know we can hear updates on what you're up to too so well I'd love to do that uh um, I'm kind of sifting my way through this as well Mm -hmm. but any way I can help other people and other horse authors and writers to get their stories out there I'm on board to if I don't know it I'll figure it out and come back to you that's awesome that's how we, I mean, that's how really all it works anyway. And, and I'll be back here rooting for you, for your books, for that, mm-hmm. that screenplay that you're up to get picked up and all the great stuff you're up to. But in the meantime, before we reconnect again, um, can you share with people where they can find more out about you and your books? Oh, yeah. Um, so you can go to clipclapchronicles.com to find out all things about the horse books and where you can buy them. And of course, we're on Amazon. You could also follow us on Facebook uh, at Clip Clop Chronicles and Instagram at Clip Clop Book and Twitter at Clip Clop Book. Uh, yeah, so those are all of the main ways to get in touch with us. And you did something really smart there across your social media channels. You kept everything the same, which makes it much easier to find you in your in your book. So that yeah. that was really great. So. Angelica, thank you so much for the gift of your time. Can't wait to have you back on the show. And thank you for all you shared with us today. I'm I'm so excited to have had you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes. And make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at carlycadecreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle.